Welcome to Thinking Like a Lawyer with your hosts, Ellie Mistal and Joe Patrice, talking about legal news and pop culture, all while thinking like a lawyer, here on Legal Talk Network. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Thinking Like a Lawyer. I can actually run all of my sound effects this time because Ellie's not here to complain about the fact that I use sound effects. Uh, Ellie is sick, so uh, I'm Joe Patrice from Above the Law. I guess you probably knew that by now. And Ellie Mistal is not able to join us because he has succumbed to illness. Uh, I believe that's, uh, well, at least that's what he's telling us. I also would note, unrelated to anything else, that the video game Red Dead Redemption 2 recently came out. And I'm not saying that that's why he's not here, but it certainly wouldn't shock me. But we're here. Uh, We're still going to have a show because it must go on. I, myself, have been spending most of the day marveling at the sheer stupidity of certain in-house counsel, uh, in particular the University of Maryland's crack legal team who managed to squander any opportunity to make a firing for cause claim by bringing back their coach after an internal investigation found that he was basically leading a toxic culture that led to somebody's death. And then in, within less than 24 hours, reversed course and fired him without cause. So they now owe him the millions of dollars. Uh, if you're wondering why people say that you need a in-house counsel who can manage your matters to protect institutions from, uh, from big mistakes, this is this is a good lesson in that. Once again, an epic fail on the part of lawyers, and we're here at Above the Law to make fun of it. So that's been most of my day. Meanwhile, I've been looking forward to today's conversation where we're going to talk a little bit about some technology and changes in the industry for legal services. And so we're going to get into that. Before we do that, I'm just going to quickly make the pitch that I usually do at the end of the episode, but you usually stop listening by then. So that's why I'm going to make it now, which is you should review this podcast and give it stars and and write a little review about it. Because every time you write things about it, it increases the profile on the algorithm that decides what podcasts are truly legal podcasts. When somebody types in, I want to listen to something about law and we want them to listen to this. So be sure to do that. With that, let's transition now and we'll start talking about the changing nature of the legal industry. So with me today, I have Greg Garman and Talitha Gray from Law Clerk. So talk to us a little bit about Law Clerk, folks. Well, Joe, thanks for having us, first of all, and give Ellie our best. Talitha and I are, are longtime practicing lawyers. Um, I've been in the business more than 20 years. I started out at a regional firm and worked my way up to be the managing partner. And so I was in the, the business of studying the economics and the, you know, the business of law for a long time uh, and ultimately concluded that uh, times were a-changing and we needed to change. And so one of the things that Talitha and I did is um, some three or four years ago, we left um, that regional firm that we were at and opened a boutique, um, concluding that the business model uh, was a business model that was moving either towards you know AmLaw 20, AmLaw 40, uh, or boutique shops. And so we opened um, after some given a lot of thought. You know, we opened a, a boutique shop that um, you know now numbers um, about 20 lawyers. But we missed some of the resources that we had, and 
you know, ultimately we we changed business models to be more flexible in our our pricing structure to have less conflicts, better quality of life, lower the overhead, you know, all those things that people talk about all the time. But at the end of the day, we missed having, you know, 100 plus lawyers uh, with somebody with securities expertise or tax expertise, whatever the case may be. Um, and that's where Lockwork came from. Lockwork was, um, came out of our need to, to better our own business model, but yet have access to freelance lawyers um, with every area of specialization. And so we spent a year, you know, getting Lockwork ready to launch. We launched um, at the ABA Tech Show um, in February. And, the you know, what we do is we connect busy lawyers um, who have particular needs, whether it be an extra set of hands to help them get ready for trial, need subject matter expertise, whatever the case may be, with a really talented pool of uh, freelance lawyers that are out there in the world um, who've decided that for whatever reason, whether it be you know family reasons or um, whether it be that they just want to live a, a different lifestyle, have decided that freelancing um, is the is the way that they want to make their living. So, Talitha, we're talking about that. That was actually a good segue. So we talk about these freelancers who have made different choices. Like, who are these freelancers qualifications wise? Are you getting like a wide range of people in a lot of different expertise areas? Absolutely. That's what's uh, super interesting. So while we certainly have some first years, um, we have a large number of stay-at-home parents who practice four, five, six years, um, many in big law who have specialized knowledge in a vast array of areas. Um, We're starting to get more military spouses, which is uh, wonderful. Um, It's a great resource for folks that are transitioning frequently and don't want to take a plethora of bars. Um, And we're also starting to get a lot of retirees. So you have uh, these fabulous attorneys who, you know, practice 20 years in um, immigration or in securities or tax or bankruptcy who are looking to keep their toes in the water and want to do a little bit of work that are available to assist attorneys. So um, we cover, I've seen everything from admiralty projects, uh, again, to immigration, criminal, civil, um, just about every area of law come through. And we always have a robust number of freelance attorneys that are qualified applying for the projects. The military spouse thing is huge. And it's become, I've, I've heard it at conferences over the last several years, uh, I went to an ABA meeting where there was a discussion about what they could do to change and, and to promote for changes to state bar rules to help out those spouses. Uh, and it's definitely true. I mean, I know and since I work uh, a little bit with folks at West Point, I have a lot of former cadets who are now in the military, and some several of them are married to lawyers uh, who have to bounce around but still need to make their living. So they're taking different bars or working and different kind of telecommuting things. So that, that's a really important one. And there's a wealth of expertise there that people don't really tap. Absolutely. So one thing that struck me was I, when I first started thinking about this was that while there's obviously freelancers for every, you know, freelancers for a lot of different reasons, I always wondered if there was like a, a, a practice area that lent itself better or worse to it. But it seems as though from talking with you all, and we all chatted a little bit at a conference before this, that there's not really a 
push of just like a ton of IP people or anything like that. It's kind of across the board. You're getting people doing all sorts of different things. Yeah, absolutely. Um, certainly the largest group is your, your general litigation, so civil, criminal, um, family-type matters. Um, but we really do see across numerous practice areas, um, immigration, um, IP, estate planning and trust, um, a lot of corporate work um, in a variety of areas, uh, tax. Um, so it really, the, the platform allows for attorneys to get help with just about every area of law. Um, and we have the freelancers that, are, that have those uh, specialties to help them. So, Greg, one thing you mentioned was that there's that you saw, and I completely agree, that there's that the market seems to be bifurcating into the super elite top 20, 30, whatever firms, and then these smaller, more agile, less overhead firms. I, I think that's coming coming to be for sure. But the idea of what Lockrook does that I think is fascinating is the idea that they can now take on, we've seen these, part of the move to these smaller firms is that technology has finally allowed them to let, they, they can leverage that to compete for the bigger jobs that used to have to require a more robust mid-sized firm if somebody was looking at a price point that wasn't the elite. Uh, now these smaller firms can absolutely do that with the help of technology. And you add kind of a dimension to that, which is if the project requires scaling up, uh, you can be flexible and scale up with people. Yeah. So, you know, we're listeners of the show and you often comment that, um, that lawyers are, are Luddites um, at, at adopting new technology. And, and, you know, that's really true. You know, when we think about the way lawyers have operated, um, the business hasn't changed for 75 years. And, you know, you talk a lot about, you know, why that's the case. But at the end of the day, you know, we are living in a world that lawyers are going to be forced to, to change their business model. Um, and, you know, we've been talking for, God, like the to total 20 years of my career, we've been talking about how the billable hour is dead. Um, and it's not that we can't come up with a, a replacement for it. It's that we can't come up with a replacement for it that's nearly as profitable as the billable hour. And, and I think that's why, you know, we've historically been slow to um, – to move um, in new directions with business models and, and technology. So, you know, the, the cornerstone of what we do is it, there's a lot of technology out there that really helps lawyers to become more efficient. You know, there's the, the document management um, software. There's certainly the discovery tools that, they're, that are really great. But it's really just evolutionary on the business model, and it just allows lawyers to be more efficient. Great technology and, and you know, the, the practice management software. But there's not a lot that allows lawyers to let their business model evolve in any meaningful fashion. And so what we're doing at Law Clerk is we're allowing lawyers to expand the resources when they need them, you know, when they got when you got to go to trial, you need people prepping the motions, summarizing the deposition testimony, you know, whatever your practice area, there are ebbs and flows of what we do. And our business has always I think been behind the curve because um, we've always been a revenue-driven business as opposed to a, a cost-focused business. And so Lockwork allows lawyers to 
scale up when they need it without the fixed overhead associated with full-time associates. And, you know, that's the killer that small firms face is, you know, the ebbs and flows of work when you can't keep your associates busy or you don't have an associate with exactly the practice area you need or exactly the seniority that you need. Um, you know, that's what's really killing people for uh, in, in, in the business model. So the the big challenge is going to be, and, and there's there's the Luddite aspect of not understanding computers, and then there's the idea of, even beyond the Luddite aspect, of just bringing in people that you may not necessarily know uh, to help you out, uh, to move into kind of a freelancing world. And I thought one of the things that when we spoke uh, at CleoCon that really struck stuck with me were some of the anecdotes you told about about some of these folks that have the that have actually worked for folks, um, like people being brought on and doing good jobs and being kind of a getting into the fold of being a, a constant source of work. People go back to the same ones and rate them and so on and so forth too. So just explain kind of how that works and kind of give some comfort if I'm a small person, small firm out here thinking, yeah, I don't know about going on. Oh, sure. So yeah. Give he, some comfort he, to us. Yeah. I mean, look, we're asking people to do the most um, uncomfortable thing, which is essentially trust us with their clients, you know, your, your most valuable asset as a, as a law firm. But, you know, what we really do is we allow the attorneys who have excess work or, you know, need somebody specialized to go out there and find a small group of lawyers that most of them work with routinely. So, you know, the first project you post on Lockwork, um, let's just say you need a memo and you're, you want to pay 450 bucks for a research memo on, you know, some, some area of law. Um, that goes out into the marketplace. And lawyers who are the freelance lawyers, you know, more than a thousand of them, um, if that's their area of law, they get a text message or an email that says this project went up, this is how much it pays, um, this is who you'd be working with. They apply to work with the lawyer who posted the job. So the lawyer who posts the job reviews resumes, writing samples, and, and absolutely most importantly, the previous reviews of the other lawyers who've worked with them. Um, and they decide who they're comfortable to work with. And, and so what we find is that people are building entire business models um, around freelance lawyers because they find five or six that they work with on a regular basis. They find a, a young lawyer to do the, the research that they need. They find somebody who's five, six, seven years out um, who's got expertise at discovery to either propound or answer written discovery. Um, they find somebody who's got leasing experience. Uh, and so they find five or six or however many lawyers it would be to do different aspects of the practice because our clients you know, they expect um, expertise. The, the, the days of, of really being a general practitioner without any specialization, you know, those are those are long gone. And, you know, clients are pretty sophisticated now. They, they go to people with estate planning experience to, to, to get a will and a trust done. And so the model that really allows solos and smalls to compete and to scale is to find, you know, that group of regular lawyers that they work with when that whatever their emphasis is comes through the door. And so, you know, we recently rolled out some features because this is what we were seeing that allow you to, once you've built a team, it allows you to build a virtual law firm. Um, and so, you know, when that discovery project comes through, you've already built a list of people that you work with on a regular basis. They're, you're comfortable with them. They've seen your forms. They've, uh, they, they know how you work that you go back to them and you give them projects, um, directly. Uh, and so young, early users of LawQuirk tend to go to the marketplace to find um, a pool of people they want to work with. But then the people who've been using us for some time, you know, they build a team 
and they just uh, use our site and, and go use our tools um, to work remotely or virtually with you know that that small group. Wow. So that virtual law firm, that's that's a cool idea. Was that a thing that you thought from the beginning, this is probably where this is going to go? Or is that an issue where you just saw it kind of naturally crop up that people were starting to do that and decided to build uh, build around that? Yeah, I, I wish I could say we saw that coming from the beginning, but we didn't. You know, when, when we when we came up with Lockrick, we spent a year in development um, to make sure we'd tied up all the ethical rules. You know, we're, we're practicing lawyers. We wanted to make sure that we had done everything um, to be 50 state compliant. So we, we built the product that we thought the market was going to want, and then we released it into the wild, you know, last February, and the response was great. Um, but we got a lot of, you know, important feedback, and, and, and you know, so sort of the way technology companies do, we took that feedback, um, we incorporated it into what we called version two that we released over the summer, and, you know, we thought that, the, that really just posting to the marketplace and having people apply um, to... Uh, work um, was was how people were going to do it, but uh, you know, evolution's listening to to what people and lawyers need, and and that's what they said they wanted to make it better, uh, and so we we launched that, and and it's really been well received, and like I said, we have people who are building entire business models around it. They post you know multiple projects a day, sometimes many many a week. Um, they post them by the dozen a month, uh, and they found that. Um, instead of having one or two associates who are also general practitioners who you know d- don't know everything uh, and don't practice at every level, it's better to to have a small group. Um, and like Talitha said, you know it, it it really is kind of a shame in our business that we are producing too many lawyers and that there is kind of an overcapacity uh, of really talented people out there who you know this is a tough business. You know, as a, as a as a father of of three. There are a lot of times where, you know, I, I do question what I'm giving up in the world to run a firm, and there are a lot of talented people who made a decision that their life needed to go in a different direction, but that doesn't mean they don't have the, the skills to really advance our profession, um, and, you know, modern technology really has made it so that our business is in a position to evolve and evolve quickly um, for everybody's benefit. Yeah, it does seem to me as though the kind of we use both praising and derogatorily people use the phrase gig economy and there there are issues there but it seems as though there are a lot of folks in the legal profession who choose perhaps the choice was forced upon them by the the last round of layoffs but now that they've made that choice i know people who like didn't choose to become a freelancer but you know once they started doing it realized well, wait a minute I can control my schedule. I can find people that I like working with and have really come to embrace it. Uh, And tools like this, that supercharges their ability to do their job and to maximize what they want out of it. Absolutely. That's entirely true. Um, And definitely the feedback we've been getting from a lot of our users um, is that is that this, you know, is a is becoming a career um, and certainly a preferred choice, um, irrespective of how they got there, as you pointed out. So, so, you know, on top of that, you know, we, we, you know, Talitha and I have a firm and we have associates here. We kind of run a hybrid firm is is the way we call it. You know, we have a physical presence and, you know, we have a bunch of people in an office and it looks like a traditional law firm. Um, But we have full-time associates here um, who work in other states remotely. Um, You know, for for one reason or another, we knew them or they used to live here and decided they they needed to move for family reasons. And and so they're full-time um, employees of our firm, and they work remotely. 
And then, you know, we, we, we launched Lockwork and realized what else we needed. So we run a, a hybrid, which is we have um, some people who, who work remotely in a more of a traditional fashion. And then we supplement that with the work that we do with freelancers. And, you know, there's always going to be stories of people, you know, in any industry in which supply is outpacing demand. You know, we're going we're gonna to find those stories of, of people who, you know, couldn't get the job that they're looking for. And, you know, we've all read the scary statistics about um, underemployment and what we do. But there really, really are. Our freelancers at Lockwork, they certainly span the entire spectrum. But the bulk of them are people who um, have, for one reason or another, chosen um, to do it this way. And, and candidly, you know, the economics of being a freelancer can sometimes be in your favor. Um, and, and, and by that, what I mean is if you're really a specialist and are efficient at what you know, um, you know, your ability to produce you know, written product in, in that area or, you know, kind of reuse the research you've done, be up to speed on cutting edge um, law, you know, you, you can do in two or three hours what it might take somebody who's picking it up from scratch, you know, 10 or 12 or 15 hours to do. So, you know, we don't see this in, in our experience with our law clerks isn't, is that this isn't a job of last resort. This is predominantly um, people who've chosen to live this as, as a lifestyle. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. It, I mean, I, didn't freelance as an attorney, but I freelanced when I started out in writing uh, before I landed here permanently. And it's scary at first, but when if you have the sort of personality that is a self-starter, motivated personality, which hopefully most lawyers do, it's something you can really learn to excel at pretty quickly. Uh, you can manage your time, find a number of projects to keep you busy throughout the day, uh, and adjust your schedule around what you need so that you can get everything done uh, in both all phases of your life. It really is somewhat liberating if you know what you're doing. And, you know, Joe, I've heard you talk about this on the show before, but the career path of a lawyer is, you know, you start out as a young lawyer being a technical writer and being able to research. And then as your career advances, um, you get to the place where you're, you know, managing a case as kind of a junior partner or a senior associate, um, doing more strategy. And then, you know, as your career, you know, kind of moves um, towards its third act, your job is marketing and building a client base and, you know, managing those issues. And the reality is, is that some people don't necessarily want to move to those second or third phases. Their skill set is technical writing. Their skill set is researching. Their, their skill set is, you know, putting it together on paper. And the natural arc of a traditional private practice career at a firm is just not really something they want at the end of the day. So, so there's a lot of that, too. No, definitely. So tell us a little bit about how if I'm well, let's do. Let's take these in order. If I'm a small firm who wants to start utilizing Law Clerk, where do I go? What do I need to start doing? So you go to www.lawclerk.legal, um, and the attorney registration process is remarkably quick and easy. It's simply name, address, law firm. Um, we do have you take a picture with your ID so we can verify that you are an attorney and, and you are who you say you are so that um, we protect the site to make sure that it's attorneys on both sides. But the process to, to sign up and get an account is very, very quick. 
after that, you have um, you're registered and you can begin posting projects. Um, and again, as attorneys, we know that uh, your time is your most valuable resource. So we've again made it as as quick and streamlined as possible. So to post a project, you identify what you need done. I need a memo. I need an agreement, operating agreement, um, whatever it is. You set your deadlines. So I want an initial draft on Friday. I need a final draft the following Friday. You set your area of law. You provide a general description of the project with no confidential information. Um, And it's pretty much that quick. Um, That then gets posted to the marketplace. You input your conflict information. That is not shared with anyone until you select a freelancer you want to work with. Um, The freelancers, again, apply to you, like Greg indicated. So you're reviewing their resume, writing sample, and comments um, and reviews. You pick the person you want to work with, and when you do that, they are then prompted to review the conflict list you've inputted, contractually agree to comply with your state's um, conflict rules as well as their ethical obligations. We have them sign a confidentiality and non-disclosure agreement. Um, All of that happens very quickly, and... We give you a communication portal and document repository that's secure and encrypted, so you can communicate and share documents um, easily, um, remotely, and we also give you, you know, traditional communication as well, phone number and email, so if you want to do it by any means that is most comfortable for you. Um, but we've really tried to make it as efficient um, and streamlined as possible. So again, signing up is probably 90 seconds. Posting a project takes less than two minutes, and you can hire a freelancer. Um, I've selected people within minutes of posting a project, um, depending on the specialization of what you're looking for. So Again, very, very easy, and uh, the law clerk care team is always available as well if there's any questions in the process. Great. Well, now the flip side question. I'm, a, uh, I'm about to get my bonus at the end of the year, and that will pay off my loans, and then I am out of this firm lifestyle. How do I sign up to be uh, in the freelance pool? Same thing. You're going to go to www.lawclerk.legal. Um, again, there's a registration process. It's a little bit more um, extensive in that you have to provide your resume, you have to provide your writing sample, um, a little bit more information so that we can verify uh, that you're an attorney in good standing. But again, that process is is you know fairly streamlined and straightforward. Um, we also have you take the picture with your ID. So again, we can confirm that you are who you say you are, and again, to protect the integrity of the site. But it's, again, fairly straightforward process as well. Great. Well, thanks for joining us. That's uh, Greg Garman and Talitha Gray from Law Clerk. Uh, If you're a small firm looking for some freelance attorneys or if you're a freelancer yourself uh, looking for some extra projects, whether it's for your lifestyle or if you're just in between things for a bit, this is a great place to go. Thanks for coming on the show. Thanks so much. And uh, keep up the good work. We love the show. Thanks. Well, we'll try. Uh, well, we'll it'll it'll be better work when we get Ellie back. He's he's always the 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 linchpin here. And I'm saying this now because I'm sure he won't even listen this far, so he'll never know that I say something nice. Um, <laughs> but uh, if you're listening, as I said earlier, you should be subscribed. You should be doing reviews, all that sort of thing. You should be reading above the law, following me at Joseph Patrice on Twitter, following Ellie at Ellie NYC, listening to the other great shows from the Legal Talk Network, listening to. Uh, Above the Law's other podcasts, Book of Business and The Jabot. And that is everything for now. We will chat again in the very near future. Thanks for listening. 
If you'd like more information about what you've heard today, please visit LegalTalkNetwork.com. You can also find us at AboveTheLaw.com, ATLRedline.com, iTunes, RSS, Twitter, and Facebook. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer.